0: What would you like the power
2: to do? Mobile
0: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: From your big bear hugs to the little notes you leave in your kids' lunches, it's already obvious you're an amazing mom. But there's one thing you can do to be even more amazing. Quit smoking. Because when you quit, not only does your risk of heart attack, stroke, and lung cancer decrease, your kids' risk of asthma, bronchitis, and ear infection does too. It's a win-win. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit Quitline.io iowa.org for a quit plan that's right for you. Quit for you. Quit for them. Brought to you by the Iowa Department of Public Health.
0: You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. <laughs> Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to the second installment of our summer series, Countdown to Camp, as this week we're going to share with you our in-depth preview of the Bears' tight ends. Now, I'm Errol host, and I'm excited that you've tuned in as we have plenty of Bears talk coming your way. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett, who will assist me as we begin to set our expectation for those tight ends. And just like Kenyon Perry in our chat says, smash that like button. That way we can reach even more Bears fans here on YouTube. And speaking of our chat, longtime moderator of the show, Tristan, he graduated high school today. So I want to thank him for the dedicated service over the years and congratulate him on this achievement. And we're all here wishing him luck on college next fall. And on that token, Nick, I think you also have some news to share as well. See?
2: Yeah. So today I went to Bears Fit, uh just had an interview for a summer job and I'll be working there over the summer just at the gym. I fell in love with it, so I might as well work there and work out there. So it just—it was a perfect fit, so I'll be working there over the summer.
0: That's it? I mean, it sounded so much more glorious over text earlier. Like, <laughs> eh,
2: I'm working there over the summer. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe because I'm so used to it now because I've been going for almost close to two months now, I feel like uh, that I, I think I knew I was going to get the job. So when I got it, I was like, all right, this is expected, but now I will be there on a daily basis. We'll see who I run into, I probably will run into even more Bears players than I normally do. But I am excited, despite me not sounding very excited, if that makes sense.
0: It does. Uh, my last question about this, I don't want to drag on, but are you officially an
2: employee of Bears Fit or the Chicago Bears? I think it's Bears Fit, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Bears Fit. So that would have been pretty cool to say, though. I you know, work for the Chicago Bears, but it is Bears Fit. Okay. I just had to know because you never know what
0: kind of conflict of interest may arise if it was the other way around. So I'm actually elated to hear it is Bears (laughs) fit. All right. So before we actually dive into the tight ends and countdown to camp, I do want to take a couple of moments, kind of just hit on some of that. I'm going to put it in quotes, Bears news throughout the week because it is OTAs and news is scarce, but I think there are some things that is definitely worth mentioning and talking about real quick. Uh, So first, and definitely I'm going to say most right now, I want to talk about Monday Funday, guys. Wasn't that Really cool to see from our team what they were able to do, Matt Nagy rewarding his players for all the hard work that they put in throughout the offseason program by a full day of fun, games, activities, bonding, bringing people from different positional groups, different sides of the football all together to be in a team. And I think it's moments like that that really show you what kind of special things are happening in Halasol. Would you agree, Nick?
2: Oh, absolutely. You see all the video and just everything that these guys are doing. It makes this team just so likable, even though all of us have liked this team for forever now. But 2018 season and seeing that chemistry carry over in these fun games that they're playing, it really shows the chemistry that is within this locker room, having fun out there. So it was great to see. What about you, B? What's your take on that?
1: Club dub Monday, fun day with games like that. It sounds like a place that I want to be anybody else who likes to have fun, wants to be, and that's just kind of the, the culture and the environment that Matt Nagy has brought. And it's really cool to see it all come to fruition. And I'm excited to see what he continues to do going into a second year. here.
0: No, absolutely. I think I said on Twitter that Monday fun day was probably one of the coolest things that I've ever seen this franchise do because as much as I love the older teams, uh, like the mid two thousands, uh, the teams that we grew up with here on the show, this is totally different. This is so unique. This is, atmosphere this locker room it's so incredible to see just how quickly things were able to turn around and that monday fun day and then seeing how the guys went out on their own to go paintballing as well which by the way khalil Mack looked just as scary uh playing paintball that he does going terrorizing quarterbacks it's just so cool to see how tight-knit this group is and i think it's that practice or that lack of practice is actually going to do that team so much more good than if they actually would have just started that monday you know typical status quo OTAs have been gone. All right. Well, speaking of OTAs, they actually do practice this week. There actually are football things to talk about. Uh, the first one I want to kind of mention here is that the defense says that they really haven't skipped a beat. Uh, they're like, there isn't really a change at defensive coordinator. Nick, I'm curious to your thoughts on that. Is this uh, music to your ears at this point in the offseason?
2: You know, I think that's what we were all kind of expecting with this defensive unit because of the chemistry that they have on that side of the ball. Now you bring in Chuck Pagano. You really just need him to utilize these players to the best of their abilities. You don't have to change things up. Per se, but I think it is reassuring to hear that, you know, these defenders are liking this defense. It seems like it, there's not really a big transition. That just means that hopefully there's not as much of a drop off as maybe some people are expecting. So I think that it is reassuring that these defenders are liking the defense so far because uh come, you know, week one against Green Bay, we're going to hope that defense was like it was last year.
0: And it's pretty funny too. This week I've been bombarded and really neck deep in my day job. And I was sitting in a few meetings, and Nick pops in the chat and he's like, Guys, Bradley Sal's a tight end, and Taquan Mizel is a wide receiver. And I thought at first that Nick was just trying to, like, you know, with the tight end show being this week, that he was looking at the film, he's like, Guys, Sal's gonna be a tight end. And I'm like, Okay, Nick. And then I saw the news kind of come out through the press conference and the positional changes. Brandon, I'm curious of your thoughts because Solid tight end, and we don't want to dig into that here. Uh, we're going to get to that at uh, an appropriate point of this show. But I think you and I both said that my Zell at wide receiver is more like, okay, my Zell's cut. There's no way he's going to make the team as a wide out on this roster. But uh, speaking of position changes, uh, the one I wanted to bring up to Brandon is the uh, the Cody White here, James Daniels, kind of switch because Mr. Devil's advocate last week said there's no way that's going to happen. And here we are. They're already experimenting. It definitely looks like this is going to be – the way to go. So Brandon, are you embracing the future?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to not to, I mean, both these guys are going to move back into their, their natural positions, but just to, to give a different opinion out there, I think that it still would be maybe better now that they've played an NFL career at these certain positions, you know, in college, they were natural guards, natural centers. Uh, but in the NFL, Cody Whitehair has mostly been a center. So I still think that that makes sense, but I have no issue with them experimenting as long as it gets solved before week one of the regular season.
0: Nick, Brandon, either of you two, is there anything else on your radar from the week? Or did you want to chime in on any of these kind of other elements that I've brought to the table?
2: You know what? I think that uh, switching Bradley Saul to tight end is significant because Rashad Coward now. I think that that just demonstrates that the Bears really have some confidence in him being that backup uh, tackle now. So when you make that position change, the Bears obviously see something in Coward that they like. So I think that's significant just moving forward because, uh, again, there wasn't a lot of depth at the tackle position, and then now you do this with Bradley Saul. It shows that they have some confidence in him.
0: Yep. Uh, I know we talked about off into line last week. Uh, this does change some of the things I'm going to be paying attention to, of course, once we get down to Bourbon A in July. And one of the things that I'm adding to my list now is, do you see Rashad, uh, Rashad Coward line up at left tackle at all? Because if he's going to be a swing tackle, he does need to have and possess the ability to play both left and right tackle. So we'll see. It's something he didn't do a year ago. They strictly kept him cornerstone at right tackle. So one of the things in addition to last week's show is now pay attention to Rashad Coward, where he lines up, because if he's only lining up at right tackle still that opens the door for someone else to kind of make this roster as an offensive lineman. All righty guys, let's go ahead and just jump right in back into countdown and camp and this week's positional preview and let's begin by taking a look at tight end number one and that's Trey Burton. At this point a year ago, there was so much unknown about Trey Burton. We all understood that he had potential, but we're kind of cautious as we obviously he was never really a starter in the league before sitting behind Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. So in his first year in Chicago, he had 54 reception, which was 10th out of all tight ends, and that was fourth on the Chicago Bears. That went along with six touchdowns, fourth highest of tight ends, second most on the team. And besides compiling those decent numbers, I think I can speak for the panel when I say there is still plenty of room for Burton to improve and take steps forward in 2019. So my first question for you both is going to be exactly that. What are going to be some of those steps forward that you're hoping Trey Burton can take in his second year in Chicago and B, you're up first.
1: Just continue to, to work on being being smart, finding these soft spots in the zones and things of like that. nature. He's a naturally a good route runner, very good athlete, very good hands, a very all-around good receiving tight end. Uh, but when you, when you say that there's room to improve, I mean, I, I kind of disagree a little bit just because of the tight end role in the offense. And I understand that he's more of a receiving tight end. But when you look at, you know, past history of tight ends in Chicago, I mean, outside of Marty Bennett having 90 receptions, I mean, he's second place when I think of productive tight ends. He had 65 also uh, in his first year of the Chicago. And, you know, Zach Miller never had more than 47 receptions. And Desmond Clark, the other guy that I thought of in 2006, he had 45 receptions. So I think Trey Burton's actually right about where he needs to be uh, historically when you look at tight ends. I think he's actually been a little more um, productive than I think we were anticipating. I think maybe some of our expectations were set a little too high. That being said, he still has the ability to, to grow and still be a better tight end. Uh, but I think statistical-wise, uh, production-wise, that he's kind of right about where he needs to be.
0: All right, so Brandon's pushing it back a little bit, saying that Burton maybe doesn't have room to grow, and he's right around where he's expecting Burton to be. What about you, Nick?
2: You know what? I think where Trey Burton can really improve upon next year is really not disappearing in terms of a point in the season. It was after the game he registered his first 100-yard game, only 100-yard receiving game against the Patriots, Trey Burden was completely a non-factor in the Bears offense. He only accumulated 244 yards and two of those six touchdowns from Week 7 to Week 16. So from the, that Jets game to the Vikings game, 10 games, 244 yards, two touchdowns. And you, we all know that Trey Burden ended up with six touchdowns, 569 yards on 54 receptions. But you look at that span 10 games Trey Burton really wasn't a factor in this Bears offense I think he could be more of a factor and I think each opponent each opponent that the Bears face there's going to be a game plan one of these guys on this offense going to have a more of a role than the other but I think Trey Burton could definitely be that guy that's more of a factor in a game plan uh, than we saw last year especially since that week seven to week 16 uh, little stint there so I think he could improving that aspect of his game and also blocking. I was watching some film against, it was a Patriots game week 17 against the Vikings. And it was when Trey Burton was asked to block some of these DNs. Sometimes he's just getting shoved off or he's trying to force his body and just throw his body at a defensive end, as opposed to us going straight up well, defensive ends are just going to knock you over, get them out of the way, and then disrupt the play. So I think he can improve in that aspect. I agree with Brandon. He's a natural route runner, can get open, find the soft spot in the zones. But those are two things specifically I want to see Trey Burn improve upon. And really, the, the first one I was mentioning, that's more the coaching. But I still think that Trey Burn can do a better job of just being an overall factor in a game plan. Nick, you practically took the words out of my mouth.
0: Uh, here in my <sighs> notes. Uh, The one area that I wanted to see improvement is with consistency, seeing more consistency, because you mentioned it. He was just absent too many times last year. Uh, Just to add a little bit more to your argument, he had over 10 yards of catch six times by week nine, only one time after the fact. Five of his six touchdowns came in his first eight games. And so for me, what it really comes down to for Trey Burton is that even in this offense that has a plethora of playmakers, it would be huge uh, for both Trubisky and the entire potential of this offense. If he can find a way to own some games, own some matchups and really break out because there are so many games, so many times where you really thought this could be a Trey Burton type of game. And outside the one that you mentioned, Nick, the 100 yarder and against new England, not so much. He was always on the cusp, but never completely broke through. So for me, Again, he doesn't need to be our number one wideout by any means. And Brandon, I think you're right in terms of his overall statistical kind of production last year, maybe where he's gonna be pegged in this offense yet again. But if he can do it for a full sixteen games, and again, even if it's spread out a little bit more, that's really gonna help the Bears. The fact that most of his production came in the first half of the season and then he dropped off. And we're not even talking about his absence against, you know, Philadelphia as well, which that's another debacle that I don't think we we're gonna get here to on this show. But for me, It comes down to consistency. And one other one I want to see improvement in, yards after the catch. He only averaged 3.5 yards after the catch a year ago. And if you're tight in this league, you make your living sometimes after the catch. And with Trey Burton getting into those soft spots of the zones like you guys mentioned, uh, getting those quick bubble screens, things of that nature, I really want to see more improvement with some yards after the catch out of Trey. All right, so we did talk about some of the things that we want to see improvement on, but Nick, I did want to go over to you because there might be those listening who may need a refresher because it has been, it feels like ages since we've had a Bears game. So what are the strengths that Burton kind of brings to the table and provides this offense?
2: So we talked about the route running, but I want to mention that Trey Burton, I think, has really reliable hands. There's only been maybe a couple times where you think back to last season where you thought, Hey, Trey Burton should have caught that ball. I think one was against Detroit where he just didn't have his best game. That was his Thanksgiving game. There's a bad holding penalty. He dropped the ball. But for the most part, Trey Burton has some pretty good hands, and that's why the Bears, you know, paid him, brought him in to be uh, this U tight end in this offense. But also, what I really like from Trey Burton is a strength, and it matches this offense perfectly. Is his versatility? When I was just watching the film, he lined up primarily in the slot, but he was also off the line of scrimmage either left or right of the tackles. He was lined up as a wide receiver, Z or X. He was lined up off the line of scrimmage and when motion left to right. So there's a lot of versatility to Trey Burton because he is kind of a smaller tight end, only at six foot three, 235 pounds is what he's listed at, at NFL.com. So you're able to put him in a lot of different positions. And I think that's uh, valuable in an offense where you have people lining up in every single, a different position, every single play. So I think that's a valuable for this offense. I think that's one of Trey Burton's strengths. Brandon, I want to go
0: over to you in terms of expectations for 2019. Uh, I think you kind of mentioned he may be where he's meant to be right now. Obviously the bears added more playmakers at the receiver position, added more uh, catch passing prowess at the running back position as well with the additions of Mike Davis. And of course, David Montgomery. Uh, so I would be very curious to so what kind of season are you anticipating from Trey Burton from a, number standpoint
1: I think I'm going to kind of kind of keep him around where he's at I think around the 55 reception mark give or take a few here and there I think 60 would make it a successful season uh, because that means he's really breaking out Uh, Trubisky and him really have a great connection so I think 60 is where it's going to be a a successful season Uh, but for I think where he should be at with this offense like I said with the additions of Mike Davis David Montgomery uh, some of the other receivers and tight ends that we'll get to here later I think 55 reception about right. I think he'll get a few more yards. Like you said, if he can improve on the yards after the catch, get around roughly 590 yards. And if he can get to 10 touchdowns, I think that that is absolutely a successful season for Trey Burton, considering all the other weapons on this offense.
0: Right, because a lot of his touchdowns last year, I think all of them, I think five of the six, and correct me if I'm wrong, but came inside of the red zone. The one that came out was against Tampa Bay in that huge blowout game when he was able to catch a long ball when he was wide open. Um, but the rest of his you know, money was earned in the red zone, and that's a big reason why the Bears are going to be reaching the red zone more and hoping to convert more. And Nick, going back to your point of his versatility, I do, uh, I really don't foresee any reason for his red zone productivity to really take a dive this year especially for touchdowns because there's so many big bodies that they're going to be paying attention to now or threats as you will in terms of whoever is going out for a pass now for this offense so i agree with brandon uh that the touchdown mark may be able to kind of hold pat if not even extend upon what about you nick though do you have any stats or a stat line that would kind of uh put a Trey burton season a successful one in your mind
2: you know what? looking at his stats right now and i'm and I, I tweeted out earlier today that there were opportunities that this Bears offense did miss and where Trey Burton should have had probably another touchdown or two or had some more yards. But just when you factor in all the different weapons on here, I don't know how much more Trey Burns going to have 54 or 569 yards. I'll give him maybe 60 and we'll go maybe 650 yards top. And if you could be around those six touchdowns again, that's perfectly fine because there's so many weapons on this offense where Trey Burton if he's just a little bit more of a factor in each game whether it's just picking up a first down something like that to where he's just not disappearing like we saw last season I'm going to be happy with Trey Burton I know coming in when they brought when the Bears brought him in super high expectations for me for, for Trey Burton but I just think now with all the weapons that are on this offense you have to be able to divide that up a little bit. So it's not going to be a Trey Burton show every single game. And we saw that last season. So it's maybe 60 receptions around 650 yards, six touchdowns. I'd be all right with that for Trey Burton.
0: And I think it's going to be beneficial for this offense that if it doesn't have to go through Trey Burton as much as it did a year ago. And just for uh, all intents and purposes here, on my stat line, my projected one, I actually kept it pretty even. 50 catches, 500 yards, five touchdowns, five, five, five across the board. And I'd be content with it. I mean, it would be a slight setback, but I don't think it's going to feel like one with how the ball is going to be spread around in this offense to a higher degree compared to this point a year ago all right guys let's talk about adam Shaheen. he's entering his third year but it still feels like we kind of barely know him and i guess that's what happens uh, when you're barely involved as a rookie uh, then you miss 75 percent of the next season uh so to this point in his career obviously uh he's been a disappointment uh and i think actually at this point he's appeared in one less game than he's had targets he's appeared in 19 games He has 20 targets to his name. So again, obviously a disappointment, but 2019 is going to be a big prove-it season for the tight end, or else maybe his future may very well be in jeopardy. So guys, I'm not saying that you think it'll happen, but rather I'm asking what will it take from Adam Shaheen to kind of change, uh, I'm going to call it a somewhat negative narrative around him this season and get back to that uh, baby grunk status that he had coming into the NFL that he hasn't lived up to just yet. Let's go to B
1: first. Actually, I think he's holding up to that baby Gronk status well because Gronk always seemed to be injured, and that's what we didn't want with Adam Shaheen. So he, you see what happens when we give him these kind of nicknames. You know, it, it doesn't pan out very well. Uh, but I, I think that this is one of the years, or this will be the year that Adam Shaheen really benefits from all the cuts happening right before the beginning of the season rather than waves like it used to in training camp. Because uh, I've kind of got him on the bubble right now because, like you said, we don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, we'll just add to your point about him having, you know, 19 catches in 20 games, whatever it is, you know, that's on average, a catch a game for his career. And there's other players that have, are going to have that potential to, to overcome him on this roster. So I, he's going to have to make some, some bigger splash plays. And I think he's gonna have to really become a better blocker. He's, he's okay at it, but he's not mean enough really to be a, a good blocker. So if he can get mean, uh, and be a better run blocker, I think he stands a better chance of making it that way rather than being the receiver because we know he's got soft hands and he's a he's a decent route runner. He just hasn't grown into his body like we thought he would at this point.
0: Right, right. And I think in the eyes of most Bears fans, it's really going to be hard for him to change the narrative unless he can show that he can be a weapon in this offense. Again, he's a fine blocker, but like you, Brandon, mentioned, uh, Brandon, you just mentioned, he can get better. Um, but until you see Shaheen haul in a couple of those crucial catches, get some of those big ones over the middle of the field, uh, besides just those one-yard touchdowns that he's kind of prone to kind of getting or getting some quick passes and tripping over his own feet, it's really going to be hard for him to kind of be seen all too favorably from at least this fan base right now at this point of his career. But how about you, Nick? How can he kind of get back in our good graces?
2: You know, I think it's gonna actually take more than just being healthy this season. Look, let's say Adam Shaheen's able to play all 16 games, which I mean that's a stretch in itself. But if he's not very productive in those 16 games, you're still gonna have questions circulating like, okay, Adam Shaheen was healthy, but he didn't do much. I think we need to actually see him be somewhat productive this season. Going into year three, he was picked 2017, number 45, second round pick. But yet there really isn't much to show for Adam Shaheen. So it's going to take more than just being just having a healthy season. He has to be somewhat productive. And if there's going to be a one way that he can make an impact, use his size at six foot six, 270 pounds, be a red zone threat. And hopefully after he catches a touchdown, he's not injured after the play. I think that happened at the one touchdown he caught last year. So I think that's going to be crucial for Adam Shaheen. He needs to be healthy, but he needs to be somewhat productive. Best way to do that, make your money in the, in the red zone. And I think he has the body type to do that. He can box people out. That's where he needs to be effective. So Adam Shaheen, it's not just about being healthy this season, because as a second, former second round draft pick, you need to be somewhat productive or it'll just be like all the other high draft picks that the bears have drafted. I mean, look, Kevin White's no longer on this team because of injuries and he didn't uh, live up to those expectations. That can very well be Adam Shaheen if this season, if he doesn't show you know, any productivity or being able to stay healthy, he's not going to be on this team for very much longer.
0: Right. Now, next year in his final year of his rookie deal, if they cut him, I think they save about half of the dead cap and only count about 600K. So he's definitely expendable after this year, which makes it a very critical season for Adam Shaheen. Nick, I want to go right back to you. Outside of Shaheen's durability, What is one of your major concerns about his game heading into the season that maybe you're hoping to see some progression in?
2: Yeah, when I was watching that Week 17 game against the Vikings uh, for last season, I was really obviously paying attention to the tight ends, how they were playing. There are times where Adam Shaheen can get out in front, pull and be that lead block and is able to get some guys, uh, have put on effective blocks. But other times, Everson Griffin, Obviously, one of, the better t- uh, one of the better defensive ends in the league was just giving him trouble, whether he was using the power move against Adam Shaheen, he was getting off balance, uh, disrupting the play in the backfield, or he was just laid off the snap. It's like the inconsistency, what I saw from Adam Shaheen in just one game and just a series really is what really, I guess, stuck out to me. And that if I had, I watched probably more games of Adam Shaheen, probably more of the same. And that's why maybe he's not able to be as effective as that second round status wants him to be. So he's got to be more consistent, whether he's blocking, running routes, getting open, catching the football, that there's a lot for playing. So there's so (laughs) much that Adam Shaheen needs to do to really prove himself. Obviously coming from Ashland university, this, you know, smaller school, he still needs to prove himself. So there's a lot that Adam Adam Shaheen needs to do. And that's why I think, if he can get into the red zone, maybe that's his best bet to kind of prove himself.
0: All right, Nick, I just want you to respond with a number one to 10, your confidence oh, level in Shaheen being the number two tight end in this offense.
2: Oh, uh, for the 2019 season or for the future, this season, this season, I think he has to be Um Ben. Then we're asking Ben Broniker. So my confidence level, I guess a five. Okay. So yeah, I'm not very confident in it, but I think there's really nobody else other than Ben Broniker to really step up into that role.
0: Yeah. And we'll get to that as we kind of roll on through the show, but I was very curious to your point uh, your current confidence level, because something that I haven't seen from him and something that we need to see come training camp is his ability to separate in man coverage because he just doesn't seem like he's had the speed. Like he was marketed to us when the bears drafted him. as this guy with tremendous size, but also the speed to kind of really make him a difference maker uh, in the NFL at the pro level. And he just had to kind of get seasoned. We haven't really seen that. And even when watching him in practices, I never once said, wow, Shaheen looks quick or Shaheen's fast out there. Words that really never came out of my mouth. So for me, I need to see it this year, especially if he's going to be the number two tight end. I need to see it happen against that Bears number one defense, which is a daunting task. But in practice, I need to see him do it because last year, there were a few times in training camp where he made some impressive throws. But it was against third strings, fourth string corners, guys that didn't make the team. I need to see it against some higher talent before my confidence level starts to raise just a little bit.
1: So on a scale of one to ten, what's your confidence level that he's number two?
0: <laughs> a three.
1: Uh, that, you know what? That's honestly right about where I'm at because I've got him on the bubble. I'm not even sure that he makes the team this year. And I'll we'll talk about a guy that could replace him later. But I think that there's uh, better potential, better opportunities with other guys.
0: Interesting. That would be... A big move for them to do it. I mean, it's only, I think, when I looked at the contracts today, 1.6, you would count against the cap, which, given our situation, I mean, you better have someone on your team. It's better to have someone on your team that is uh, an improvement instead of just spending the money and keeping them on your roster and being, you know, handcuffed as a result. So I'm very curious to your thoughts here as we kind of roll through the show. But with that said, and I don't say that often, but I think it's a good point (laughs) to say that catchphrase yet again. Brandon. If he is on the team, what would you deem as a successful season for Adam Shaheen? And don't say play all 16 games or be healthy. We all know that. What else?
1: I that's kind of really the the big thing, though, because if he doesn't make it through week six, I mean, you, like you said already, he's a is a disappointment, but it just becomes a, a much bigger disappointment. So I think if he can he can hover around, I don't know, if he can get like to be the big red zone threat like we want him to be, I think in the past he's only had he's got four career touchdowns. I think if he matches that this year, then it's a successful season. I'm not going to put a reception or reception yards to it because I'm not very confident in him even being the number two tight end. So I think if to have a successful season, he needs to be in the end zone and to match his career high in one season.
0: For me, I'm looking at targets, two to three a game on average. That would be a win. He only has 20 targets to his name after two seasons. So if you can get two for an entire year, that's 32 targets. That's more than he was able to compile in two years. What he can do with those is a different story. But he's if he can carve out a small receiving role and get some of those looks, to me, I mean, even though I know that's not really impressive, that's still more than what we have at this point. So I would consider that
2: a win in some degree. What about you, Nick? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, in terms of touchdowns, I would like to see him maybe, maybe like four, four to five. That'd be great for Adam Shaheen. I think, uh, especially a really crucial season for him, but like I'm saying that but I'm I'm realistically not believing that he can actually accomplish that at the end of the 2019 season and in terms of, you know, maybe receptions, if he can get 15 somehow some way, that'd be great. 15 20, but again, he he needs some those those receptions converting for first downs. I think that really plays a factor um, you know, if coaching staff is coming at the end of a season, really evaluating a player, especially one that was drafted as high as he was and saying, okay, where did he make these catches? What kind of situations were they in? Maybe that kind of helps a a player in in those kind of uh, circumstances, but I'm not really expecting much from Adam Shaheen. And that's, that's the thing. I don't really have, I can't put these high expectations, these numbers there because there's nothing to base it off of. You're going off of the, what he did in Ashland this is the NFL now. This doesn't this doesn't matter anymore. So it's really hard to kind of gauge where Adam Shaheen's going to be if he's going to be available.
0: Yep. Nope. We're all on the right track, I think. You know, keep our expectations at the bare minimum and let him exceed it. Because at this point, putting any higher expectations on the guy is really, and I hate to say it, but like a waste of our time as well. Because he hasn't really, like you said, Nick, he's proven nothing to this point, and to really give him any confidence in him to really step in because i think every year so far it's been well year one it was what can he do as a rookie and then he was pretty much absent What different offense not naming name guys um a different offense <laughs> and then last year i mean the injuries i understand um but that's also been like we said a part of his career so for me like you said nick keep expectations low and we'll see what he can do All right, so up next, we're going to take a look at the tight end that leads the Bears in special team snaps over the last three seasons. Talk about a roster lock. But first, we need to call a quick timeout to tell you how you can save $10 on tickets by using our show's sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticket websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? No, the real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. In an industry that tends to be stagnant, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. What makes SeatGeek better than the rest? Uh, well, number one, uh, just look at their app store. Uh, it shows that over 50,000 people have left a five star review. How's that for customer satisfaction? And on top of that, SeatGeek, it's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale to one to 10. And finally, SeatGeek. Uh, gets to display them in an interactive seat map. It's actually really cool. Uh, when we're looking for our Bears Chiefs tickets, I was sending the guy screenshots of the map. Like, you want these tickets? Do you want those tickets? What kind of view do you want? A really cool interactive seat map. Definitely check that out. But getting back to those deals on a scale of 1 to 10, SeatGeek breaks down the details. The green dots are the good deals, and the red dots are the tickets that are overpriced. And of course, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And I can just mention, we're going to that Bears-Chiefs game, and SeatGeek was the place where we were able to purchase tickets, and we've been using that for you know, tickets for quite some time now over the years, and it's by far the easiest way, most convenient way, most fun way that we've been able to buy tickets over the years. So if you're wanting to join us for that Bears-Chiefs game, huge game coming up December 22nd, definitely check out SeatGeek because there are still plenty of amazing deals left. And the best part of all is that SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your per- first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm Russell DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlet. This is Countdown to Camp 2019, and we are breaking down the tight ends. And now it's time to discuss Ben Bronicker Now, for the most part of his career, he's been a special teams role. Like I mentioned, he leads the Bears over the last three years in uh, special team snaps from the positional group. Uh, Just last year, he had 239 special team snaps. That's 56.1% of all of them. And compare that to just the 11.1% of the offensive snap that he had last year, which ranks fourth at the position. Now, we have seen what I'm going to call many flashes out of him uh, being able to contribute on offense as well. And now with a presumably bigger role uh, and being maybe the third man, second man on this depth chart, we'll talk about that. Uh, it's going to need to be the case. He needs to step up on offense a little bit more this season. So, guys, what really makes Broniker intriguing is that he's kind of what I'm going to call a crossbreed of a tight end. He can line up and play at both the U and the Y positions. But I want to know, which ones do you see him primarily filling this season? Which one is he a better fit at? So for me, at his size, I see 6'4", 252. I see him more as that U tight end, more than an inline Y guy. Just a little bit too small for that Y. Um, And I think that's where we saw him line up, uh, that being the U, uh, last year in the majority of those limited stats and offense a year ago. But again, I think he's a very much of a hybrid guy that he can perform decently, At each, But he's maybe not going to wow you at one over the other. Nick, how about you?
2: You know what? I'm going to have to go with uh, the Y tight end. Or sorry, the U tight end as well. Just due to the size and what I saw on tape, um, his blocking can improve. It definitely can. And I think if he had the size to go with it, that would definitely help him. But I think in terms of how he's able to run routes, he's actually not bad of a route runner. It was in that uh, New England game. He also had a catch. He ran a little angle route on. It was Patrick Chung uh yeah Chung who was guarding him in the nickel shows some great feet uh great footwork is able to stay balanced able to get a first down on the play and I'm like okay there's Ben Broniker kind of showing a little bit of what he can do what his potential is so I think he's a little bit of a better route runner than he is a blocker but I think you said it perfectly well he's not great at either one so that's why when you asked the question do I feel confident in Adam Shaheen being the number two well I don't know if I feel confident with ben broniker being the other guy to possibly step up and take his spot so i think in terms of what ben broniker brings to the table like you said more of a special teams kind of guy and now is being asked to play more of a tight end role especially because we don't know what m sheen's gonna do i think he's more fit to be the u tight end as opposed to the y especially because of the other tight end currently
1: on this roster
2: with the change that's been made
0: Brandon, which letter of the alphabet does uh, <laughs> describe him the best you or why?
1: Uh, get your brooms out. Cause I'm also going with the U. He's uh, you having all that special teams experience that he's got all those snaps, you know, that takes a lot of mental toughness to be able to run down the field like that after punts on kickoffs, et cetera, et cetera. So he's, he's tough. He's a grinder, you know, he's got the right mentality. And I think he'll be able to hang in there in the trenches a little bit more being in that, that U position. So I, I, I think that's one that better suits him. He's got the mentality for it. And he, like uh, Nick said, he's a little bit good at everything, but not great at everything either.
0: All right. Now we do have some very intriguing undrafted free agent talent behind them, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. Um, but I do feel like regardless, like I mentioned, that Broniker is going to need to prove uh, that he's going to be a viable asset on offense and really to order to retain Uh, the third tight end spot on this roster. So regardless, he's going to be here for special teams play. Obviously, he's been taking those snaps for quite some time now, but he does have a chance to really implant himself with a role inside this offense, critical for his career. He's only seen 11 targets throughout three seasons. So guys, uh, just like Adam Shaheen, what are going to be some of those things that you need to see from him at training camp that's going to show you he's ready for more offensive snaps? And Brandon, I'm going to go right back to you.
1: I think a lot of it's just going to come down to, to route running in his hands. Uh, I mean, he's got a, a few receptions, you know, seven for his career for 83 yards total. But if he can uh, show that he can win one on one battles, uh, be able to, to make hard cuts and make the linebackers kind of lose him a little bit, get a little bit of space. Then that's what he's going to have to do to be able to, to earn a little bit more playing time on this team. It's really going to be in the route running.
2: What about you, Nick? Anything else? You know, I'll go with the blocking. I still thought, just watching the tape, it was a little inconsistent from Ben Broniker. Um, he could definitely improve in that aspect. And, um, you know, with now having to be maybe a more of a role in the offense, you're going to have to block some plays. It's not going to be always going out for route, uh, for routes and like every Morse, every I guess wide receiver kind of dominant player would want to do is go out for routes as opposed to blocking. Yeah, of course, you're going to want to do that. But in this offense, you're going to be asked to block and. What I was just watching from the Bears offense, they love to the line the tight ends off the line of scrimmage, and they'll have either a tight end on the left, tight end on the right. They'll have them both in the game, but whatever way the running back's going, they'll have the opposite tight end. So if the Bears are running left, they'll take that tight end that's off the line of scrimmage to the right motion him left to be a lead block, they love to do that. So I want to see Ben Broniker, Trey Burton, whoever it is, when they're off the line of scrimmage and has to be the lead block uh, for a running play, they need to be able to find the guy they're supposed to block, make that block. That's how you earn yourself some reps on the offense, by being able to execute plays. And that's what I want to see Ben Broniker do if he's going to be the third tight end on this roster.
0: Right. When you're doing that lead block, uh, big key, uh, become glue. Uh, because if you can connect that guy and make sure he doesn't get to the running back, Usually good things happen as long as the guys in front of you are doing their job as well, of course. Uh, So for me, the big one when it comes to Broniker, honestly, when I get down to training camp, I wanted to see if he can pass the eye test and prove that he belongs because if he's unable to practice and succeed uh, with the ones or even if he struggles a little bit against the twos. I think myself and probably the Bears coaches are going to quickly start to look elsewhere on this roster for someone who can succeed, who can belong, who can pass that eye test either against the twos or against that bears number one defense as well, which again, I know it's a daunting task. Um, But if Broniker himself is unable to prove that uh, via the eye test and really struggles, especially early on in training camp, I think that really opens up the door for some of these other guys that we're going to get to in just a moment.
1: I want to add to that point real quick too. Uh, I think you kind of have to go with what Nick said being able to execute plays on the offense, because when you look at an eye test with Ben Broniker and you compare him to a Trey Burton or Bradley Sowell, I mean, those are two totally different ends of the spectrum for a tight end, and like you said, going up against the, the twos and some of the ones, even for this Bears defense, it's a daunting task, so I think the eye test is going to be a little bit difficult uh, to be able to say that he deserves that three spot or not, and I think when we talk about Sowell here shortly, I'll be able to bring up my point on why I'm not sure why I think a depth chart. The more I think about it, it makes much sense for the tight end position.
0: All right, I'm excited to get to that. <laughs> Let's just jump right into Bradley Sowell, and yeah, that's right. Two weeks in a row, we talked about him last week, the swing tackle. And now it's time to talk about Bradley Sal, the tight end. Who knows? Next week, we'll be talking about Bradley Sal, the wide receiver, and then Bradley Sal, the quarterback. I mean, it just seems like that's the way it's going to be going here, guys. But getting back to it, obviously, this is very interesting because, Nick, like when you said it to me and I was in my meeting, I didn't, I just thought you were just kind of like poking at us, having a little bit of fun. But this is a very interesting move by the Bears because. Obviously, we talked about it. They're happier with that tackle depth. Uh, Fine by me. And it also means that the coaching staff must really see something in Sal to do this. So getting back to him, last week when we talked about him as a swing tackle, we kind of had some fun talking about the Santa's sway play and his ability to do more things like tight ends and lining up over there. And here he is. Uh, So, guys, and Nick, I want to go to you first. What sort of things do you want to see out of him in training camp to kind of prove that he can be a quote unquote real tight end in the NFL.
2: Well, you want to be able to see if Bradley Saul can actually move. I mean, I think that's going to be a big key for him. And just some of the plays I was watching again, going back to that week 17 Minnesota Vikings play, they had Bradley Saul lined up as fullback a couple of times. And you're thinking, man, he is listed at six foot seven, 315 pounds. He has to really move to get ahead of Jordan Howard to be that lead block. And there are some plays where you see these linebackers are like, you know, Deers in the headlights there, there's a big lineman coming at me and making an effective block. So I think Bradley Sowell, whether he's going to stay at that weight or probably drop down a little bit, I w- would imagine he probably does that. I want to be able to see if he can actually move in space, uh, if he's actually going to run routes. It's kind of a weird concept to even think about that a lineman is now going to be asked to go out there, maybe run some routes, out, out routes, corner routes, where you have to be very precise with your footwork. But I saw him on a couple plays where he's a lead block and fullback. He can move his feet, get ahead of the running back, has some decent speed. I want to see that continue in training camp. See him being able to just move around, move around, and doesn't look like it's being forced. I think that's going to be key for Bradley Sal to be uh, able to make it as a tight end in the NFL. Do you see Sal Nick as that guy who's going to be
0: primarily that extra blocking tight end? The guy, like you mentioned, can line up in the backfield, maybe take uh, a few of those, uh, you know, lead blocking roles. And on top of that, maybe catching a pass or two, he's not going to like have to learn like the route tray or anything, Right.
2: No, I mean, I think it would be nice to know a little bit of it, but I think his primary roles. you have, going to be to come in. Think about the Thanksgiving game against Detroit, that final last play to milk the clock. They bring in Bradley Sal, they bring in Daniel Brown, they bring in Ben Broniker and Trey Burton. I think they're all on the play, but they go to that right side where Bradley Sal is at and Tariq Cohen ends up getting the first down to seal the game. I think that's the kind of role that you're going to see Bradley Sell most likely play being that extra guy who could potentially go out for a pass, but is going to primarily block and hopefully be effective in the running game. Brandon, what's your take on this move
1: in general? So just to add to the um, route running thing real quick, if you check out, I seen it on the Bears Twitter today, but granted it's all in slow-mo, but he's out there running routes and it looks real fluid, but granted that's just slow-mo in an open field, you know? So who knows? He could have been two yards from the quarterback. I don't know, but I thought it was kind of funny. Um, This is where I think that the depth chart for tight end gets, you know, void, I guess, because obviously Trey Burton's going to be your one. Uh, but then you could throw out so many different packages because each tight end brings something different to the table, whether it's Adam Shaheen if he sticks around or Ben Braunacker or Bradley Sowell. So I think even if you put Bradley Sowell in and everyone thinks it's going to be a, a run-heavy formation, he's shown that he can't catch a pass. He actually caught the same amount of touchdowns as Adam Shaheen last year. <laughs> so that being said, I think that, you know, with each bringing something different to the table, there's no going be you know there's not going to be a defined two, three, or four because you could put Ben Braunacker and Bradley Sowell in both of them go out for a short little two out route, two yard out routes or something along those lines and both be capable of making that play. I don't expect that, especially from Bradley Saul. I think we hopefully get someone else in for that, but granted just I think you guys can get my point and I'm just kind of talking out loud. So if it sounds dumb just just let me know, but that was my <laughs> take after stewing on it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I tend to talk out loud too.
1: Oh good. I guess I was thinking out loud instead of <laughs> I, it'd be weird if I talked and didn't actually say anything.
0: Yeah, that would be a little bit weird. Uh, Do either of you have anything (laughs) else on Bradley Sal that you want to mention before we kind of move on here?
2: You know, we talked about two straight weeks. I know. Two straight weeks now, yeah. (laughs) But dropping weight, I think that will be something that needs to happen if he's actually going to be, you know, quote-unquote, a tight end in the league. I
0: mean, for what it's worth, I re, if I recall, it's been a while since I've been able to pick up a controller, um, and this is off topic, but in Madden last year, Charles Leno Jr. is like the second highest rated tight end for the Bears on the roster. Like an <laughs> wow.
2: so, you know, watching watching the tape, Charles Leno was out there at tight end a lot more times than I remembered. I only remembered the week one against Green Bay, but he's actually out there as tight end. They have Ben Broniker as a left tackle. I'm like... What is going on here? So that's that's it. Matt Nagy loves to throw those weird uh, formations. So wouldn't wouldn't it be surprising if Bradley Sowell ends up with another touchdown this 2019 season. Do you
1: think that maybe too they just moved in a tight end, so we didn't have to go up to the ref every time and say that he's checking in?
2: He doesn't have to. Do it could just anymore. be a
1: convenience thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's true. They no. may just be. It's like you know what? You're just a tight end now. Congratulations. <laughs> Same role, different position. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, So we've discussed the four players that have been here that we know, but now it's time to take a glance at this year's crop of undrafted free agents that are vying to carve themselves out a spot on the roster, or at the very least, uh, a position on the practice squad. Uh, Those guys are Dax Raymond out of Utah State, Ian Bunting out of California, Jesper Horstead out of Princeton, Ellis Richardson out of Georgia Southern. So guys, out of those UDFAs, Who do you foresee having the best chance at making the roster or practice squad and why? And let's go to Brandon first, because he likes to talk out loud.
1: I do like to talk out loud. Um, I have actually Dax Raymond as the guy who's going to replace Adam Shaheen this year. Uh, Because, well, this was a guy that that you were really high on, especially, uh, well, obviously around draft time. Uh, it's the only time I've been able to talk about him. So this was a guy that you were high on, so I'll let you be able to talk about him a little bit more. But he's got, you know, he's just a little bit smaller than Adam Shaheen, and he doesn't have much of an injury history. I've seen one issue about his back, but that was a couple years ago. So he should be well past that by now, but he's just, you know, he's fast, good route runner. He's an athletic guy, 6'5", 255. I mean, this is a guy I think I'd much rather see out there in the slot uh, playing that quote-unquote baby Gronk roll that Shaheen filled very well being injured. Uh, I think that Dax Raymond's a guy that can much better – suit Adam Shaheen's role uh, and stay healthy while doing it making much more a bigger impact.
0: Yeah, I can add on Dax Raymond because he is the guy that I have that has the best chance of making the roster. And you mentioned it a little bit smaller than Shaheen around the same size as a Trey Burton, if not just a little bit bigger, But again, a lot of his college comparisons was a Trey Burton type of move tight end. But I do believe that theoretically he can kind of fill in as that Y inline tight end as well. So for me, when it comes to next Raymond, I'm very curious to see how many looks he'll get early on against maybe like the twos. See if he gets a chance to prove himself in camp by filling in with the ones from time to time as well. Because we all know how uh, they give veterans days off. So once they do it, once Trey Burton gets a day off, do they give a guy like Raymond an opportunity to kind of bump up a little bit and how well he performs is going to be vital for him. Of course, his roster kind of chances. Uh, Something else I want to mention about him. He was a first down machine. Nick, you brought it up earlier, the ability to not just catch the ball, but when you do, you're moving the chains. Well, last year for Dax Raymond, 19 of his 27 catches were first downs. And again, 27 catches may seem low, but he was in a very run heavy offense that really didn't scheme to his strengths. And one last thing I want to note about Dax Raymond. Last week, guys, I talked about following the money tree. Alex Barrs was the second highest paid undrafted free agent. Well, guess what? Dax Raymond, the highest paid undrafted free agent from the Chicago Bears. So obviously, they like that kid a lot. So for me, all those reasons, he has the best chance of making this roster. But Nick, I want to go over to you. Do you have anybody else?
2: I don't, but it depends what the Bears are actually looking for in a tight end. If they're looking for more of that Y tight end, that block, blocking tight end, maybe Ian Bunting is the guy they kind of go for. If they're looking for more of that move, you tight end, it would make sense for Dex Raymond. Uh, it, I think it all depends on what the Bears are kind of looking for and looking at what they have now and seeing, okay, out of these guys that we potentially can, you know, we're going to bring into camp, see what they can do, compete against our guys, which one of these makes sense for our team? So I think that's going to also be a factor, but – well, you make bring a great point with that money. Money usually is a good indication of maybe where the Bears feel most confident in, but you also just got to see how these guys line up and compete against, you know, the veterans. And then when you mentioned, I think is another great point, when these guys do get days off, how do these guys step up into those opportunities, those limited opportunities? Remember, there was just a couple of weeks ago the Bears had, what, eight kickers on the roster? I think six or seven of them missed that 43-yarder. 40, well, now there's down to three. So you got to make the most out of your opportunities. And for these guys that are on the bubble, maybe outside of it, you got to be able to show up when it counts the most. Nick
0: said, I made two great points. I guess we can just end the show. Now I'm fine as well. <laughs> <laughs> can't go. can't get any better <laughs> from here. Uh, so it doesn't seem like you would have one, Nick, but Brandon, do you have any dark horses in your mind?
1: I think Ian Bunting's probably my, my dark horse, but I don't even think that he makes it. I think that, They've kind of experimented with the bigger tight end, and I think Adam Sheen might leave a little sour taste in their mouth. So that, that's just kind of my opinion, but I, Ian Bunting's also my dark horse.
0: He is my dark horse as well, B. Uh, so we're on the same page here. Uh, he has good size. He is 6'7", like you mentioned. Uh, he was a grad transfer from Michigan to Cal last year. Uh, he set multiple career highs. Uh, he's known for mostly being a blocker. Uh, he's displayed flashes of being a viable receiving threat last year, like I mentioned, with those career highs. And yet again, guys, Money Tree, he is the third highest paid on drafted free <laughs> agent. So I think that if they're keeping him around, though, I think it's going to be practice squad. Um, but if I'm I'm assuming the Bears and how much they love tight ends and love young tight ends, when you think about Broniker and Daniel Brown, how they're able to kind of ride the waves and that practice squad role over the years. I think a guy like Ian Bunting makes more than com- uh, complete sense in that regard as well. Although, I will I will mention, if you had a guy like Jesper said, kind of make it around, they have a tight end from Harvard, a tight end from Princeton. That's pretty <laughs> prestigious as well. Uh, Nick, anyone else that you want to kind of bring up here? You all good?
2: No, I just want to actually mention just because we're talking about tight ends who can possibly make this roster just look at the the history of tight ends of how many have made it over the past year since ryan pace has been here in 2015 three made it 2016 three made it 2017 four tight ends made it 2018 last year really it should be four but five made it including deon sims and i guess adam shaheen so maybe they three technically made it and then 2019 <laughs> well let's see how many are going to make i i have i have four and that's the the four guys that we mentioned before these um the last few guys.
0: okay so you want to say their names for all intents and purposes to make sure we have we'll the say the names box. yeah
2: so the four guys that I have making this roster Trey Burton Ben Bronicker, Am Shaheen and Bradley Saul. all right B you going
0: four you going five does it matter with you?
1: uh man. I have two on the bubble, so that makes it really hard. Uh, but for sure, it's going to be Trey Burton. For sure, it's going to be Ben anchor. For sure, it's going to be Bradley Sowell. I I said Dax Graham is going to be the guy that replaces Adam Shaheen, so Adam Shaheen isn't going to make it. And I'm not going to put anyone on the practice squad because I think I do that with every position, and you can only have like 10 on the practice squad. So if I end <laughs> up with 22 guys on the practice squad, something's wrong. So I don't think that a tight end makes practice squad.
0: Okay. I will strongly disagree in that regard. Uh, a few of those. <laughs> uh, I have five uh, because... Why not? I think they're going to like the talent. (laughs) I think Dex Raymond's going to be a guy that with how coveted tight ends are in this league, he's going to be really hard to stash in that practice squad, especially if he has a really strong preseason. So again, this is all going to change because we're going to come up with our predictions once we actually see these guys on the field. But as of today, I'm going to go with the five. Burton, Shaheen, Brodnick, Sal and Raymond. And then my practice squad guy being bunting. But who knows if Dex Raymond does have a, you know, eh, kind of, preseason training camp, and they can stash him down there in a practice squad. And that would be more than acceptable. Again, he's, he was undrafted, even though he was rated fairly well in terms of grades, but, uh, yeah, I see five, but yet again, the depth at running back, the depth at wide receiver can change this. Um, but, but, but we thought that Sal was going to make this roster and he's now here at tight end, taking up a spot. So five may not be really out of the question. All right, guys. Big picture questions, but of course, I like to start off with something a little bit fun, and I really liked the over-under last week, so we're going to do it again. And let's go with the first one. Over-under, eight touchdowns for the position, because that was the number that they had last season. Again, 75% of that came from just Trey Burton, so keep that in mind. But B, over to you, over-under, or eight TDs from the tight ends.
1: Hmm. (laughs) I'm going to say under by one. I think just seven. I don't know why, but that that's with all the receiver talent, the added uh running backs with Montgomery and Davis, I think that some of the touchdown some of the potential touchdowns could get taken away from the tight end group. So I'm gonna say seven.
0: Okay. We have an under, which actually surprises me. Nick, I saw your thumb going in an upward motion. So you're gonna go over?
2: I'm going to go over. I, I pointed out two plays last year where tight ends should have had touchdowns, and they didn't. That would have put them at 10 had it all gone out the way the Bears wanted to. So I think they are going to be uh, in a position to have more than the eighth that they had last year. I thought overall the group really underperformed. It was only Trey Burton that was really carrying this tight end position group. Like you said, six of those eight touchdowns last season were from Trey Burton and he had a 10-game little stint there where he just wasn't part of the offense. I think we're going to see a little bit more of uh, the tight ends just being distributed more throughout the season, and when you add all that up at the end, it's going to be more than those eight touchdowns that they had last season. Okay. Over or under 20 receptions combined for Adam Shaheen and Ben
0: Bronnicker this season. Nick?
2: I'll go over on that one as well. 20, um, I think... We see an Adam Shaheen season where he's actually healthy, so that might get him maybe what he had. Like I don't even have the number in front of me. What he had this season wasn't much, but I think Ben Bronaker is going to really step up this year, just because maybe uh, they're going to need. Well, they need somebody too, so I think they can get over that twenty. And again, Matt Nagy's offense when go back to Kansas City, they love to use a tight end, especially with Travis Kelsey. It hasn't really shown here yet, and it was only one season, so I think you can expect more than. 20 receptions between Broniker and Adam Shaheen. Well, Brandon,
0: this is a lot of pressure on Ben Broniker for you. Uh, I was going to say, you didn't have Shaheen <laughs> making your roster. So over or under uh, 20, it's all, it's all Ben for you right now though.
1: Yeah, he's going to have to have a major breakout year in the tight end position. Is going to have to way exceed my expectations as a whole for that to happen. So I have to take the under. Uh, I think Brian is going to be able to contribute more than he has in the past. Uh, Definitely. He's got his opportunity here in front of him, so I think he can seize it. Uh, But him by himself isn't going to quite have 20 receptions.
0: All right. Last one for the over-unders. Two touchdowns for Bradley Sal.
2: Brandon?
1: (laughs) Over. Why not? I've been under on everything else. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Nick? I'm gonna I'm gonna say under if if anything gets that one.
0: Okay. You're not gonna do a push and just get the two even? Nope.
2: I'm nope. gonna go with the
1: one. I'm gonna go with, right. with the one. You just said touchdowns, not just receiving touchdowns, correct?
0: I did just say touchdowns. He can okay. definitely oh, run boy. it in. Uh, that's,
1: uh, yeah. We'll go with two. Definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you finicky guys. All right. Last well not actually second to last. Uh, What's going to be your confidence level at the tight end position? We talked about our confidence level and just Adam Shaheen, but I did this last year. I forgot to do it with the offensive line. I want to make sure I bring it back. When you're looking at the tight end group as it stands today, what's going to be your confidence level at this position? Let's go to Brandon first because, boy, he looks deep in thought. Am I right?
1: Yeah, you are Uh, because I'm thinking about who I've got. And there's just a lot of unknowns surrounding the guys that I kept. Uh, and even if, you know, you guys keep Adam, he and Trey Burton really brings up my average a lot. Uh, so I'll make it a seven. Uh, but some of the guys after that, as far as receiving production goes, is going to be a little shaky. So I think, you know, like I said earlier, they each bring a different uh, aspect to the game uh, and it's all going to kind of come down to what, what play call, what formations called. So I, I give it a seven just because there's so many unknowns.
0: There are, I actually have in my notes, I'll give you my number two. So that way I don't have to come back to myself. I have it at a six. And right after the number six, I have a lot of unknowns. Like you, Brit (laughs) said, and it's just so many uncertainties at this point. Uh, My confidence level in terms of where I think the talent is, is six, but I'm going to give Matt Nagy his due. And I have a feeling he's going to get more out of this positional unit uh, than maybe I'm anticipating. Uh, which is, of course, um, makes me very elated to have him as the head coach of the Chicago Bears and the guy driving this offense. Um, So that's definitely going to help. But in terms of just the talent, I'm going down. I'm at a six because there's just so much questions. Uh, You talk about the depth question, but uh, Nick, you and I talked about it at the top of the show with Trey Burton about his, you know... Uh, his season last year was just you know hot and cold, and that's raising a couple, not red flags, but just some minor, maybe slightly yellow-orange-colored flags that uh, has me a little bit hesitant to get a little bit more confident. But, Nick, how about you? Where's your confidence?
2: You know, I'll just go a tad higher at like 6.5. I think that uh, after Trey Burton, obviously you guys mentioned, it, they're the questions, but really what can maybe balance that out is Matt Neggy and how he can game game plan certain guys open, just scheme people open because that there were opportunities last season where these tight ends could have made big plays down the field. Just lack of execution from the overall offense really hindered that. So I think Matt Nagy is really the key component here. Like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, Lennell jr. Was out at tight end. Veronica was at a different position. You can put these guys in a bunch of different spots because you have a creative head coach. I think that's really important when you don't have maybe the best talent outside of Trey burden, the bears don't have the best talent. They have questionable, uh, unproven guys, so I think Matt is the key factor here, but I'm not going to say it's going to substantially raise it, only .5 better than what you had with, with the 6, so 6.5 is my confidence in the group, but I do expect the overall group to be better and put up better numbers than what they did last year.
1: All right. Nick, I kind of want to counter that a little bit because you brought up a couple times how the Titans have had their opportunities and how Matt Nagy can change that, but Matt Nagy's out, not out there throwing the ball. It's going to have to go down to improved play by Trubisky or, I mean, I don't know what specific place you're talking about because maybe they succeeded on the planet. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Different way. I don't know. I didn't watch the same plays that you did, I don't think, or at least pick up on what you're putting down there. So I, I think that it's going to have to come down to improved quarterback play in order for this tight end group to succeed. But like I said, for me, Trey Burton brings up that average just because he exceeded my expectations a little bit. And when you compare it to past history, he's right in there with the best of them.
2: I think we all expect Trubisky to raise his level of play in year three. So I'm hoping that also raise the level of play the tight ends, everybody, but that offense really can improve, you know, this year and year two of Matt Nagy system. So I think overall, we're going to see hopefully the entire offense just elevate their level of play. We all hope so. All right.
0: So last and not least is going to be when we're at training camp, guys, which by the way, I'm counting down the days. Very excited to see you. Very excited to go to Bourbon A. Very excited to watch this Bears team practice yet again. But what are you going to be paying attention to when watching the tight end groups? What are going to be just a few of those specific things when we're watching the offense, watching positional drills, when it comes to the tight ends, what's going to be on your radar? And let's go to Brandon first.
1: I'm going to kind of piggyback off what I said, counter next point uh, with Matt Nagy you know, being the one that makes the difference. And, and he does in a way because it comes down to, to play calling and granted Trubisky's got to throw the ball to him, like I said. But in what situations do different guys get out there? Uh, Because we're I'm pretty confident in Bradley's helping out there, mostly in run blocking situations. But does he lose the weight to be able to run some of these routes that we're kind of not really anticipating? Uh, What does Ben Bronecker improve on and what kind of situations do they put him in? I think that the tight end position is going to be very situational in how a football game plays out and i'll be interested to see uh, where in what situations and what formations these guys line up in
2: what about you nick you know in terms of bourbon a and just training camp i'm i'm not really looking f- forward to like what uh scheme or position group they're in because a lot of the stuff we saw at training camp we didn't really see in the regular season they weren't showing their hands so what i'm going to be paying attention to especially with these tight ends is those one-on-one matchups where they have to block or you know win on a route because that's where you're just competing there's no play really involved unless you get a route or something like that i want to see these tight ends be able to block some of these outside linebackers i think for the most part last year the outside linebackers really kicked the tight end butts on every single positional drill, Leonard Floyd, Khalil, or you know, these guys that are coming in, you're, you're not going to win those one-on-one matchups. So Trey, Burnham, Shaheen, I'm really going to be paying attention to how they are able to block win those one-on-one matchups in seven on sevens, whatever it may be. That's what I'm going to be paying attention to come training camp.
0: Great stuff there, Nick. I think I've said everything actually in my list throughout the show, but just a recap, just in case you missed it at home. Uh, How many reps and opportunities Ben Broniker gets with the ones and twos? When does Trey Burton get a breather? And when he does, who steps in? How well does Adam Shaheen fare against the ones and in one-on-one situations? Uh, Because, again, we have a video on this on Twitter uh, that he had a really cool red zone touchdown last year, but that was against a third-string safety that didn't make the team. So can he do that against the second team, a first-team caliber player? I don't think so, but hopefully we're wrong here. And then on top of that, which undrafted free agents – Work their way up to pecking order the fastest. Who can kind of step into those roles, get some opportunities, take advantage of those opportunities. So when you're looking at like the second game of the preseason or fourth game of the preseason, uh, they're out there playing a majority of those snaps and really getting some strong looks. All right, guys. Any final thoughts on the tight ends before I close the show? I think we said it all.
1: Is this the weakest position on the offense? I think so.
0: Ooh, that is a strong take. Nick, do you agree?
2: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Just looking at overall position. Oh, I mean, the quarterbacks is what, two guys? But uh, I like that group better. You like the running backs now, David Montgomery, the wide receivers. We're, we'll talk about those other position groups. But, yeah, I would have to say that it is the tight ends that are are the weakest right now. You're dissing Trey Burton? Egg?
0: I mean, <laughs> I, mean Trey Burton. I like Trey. I I, sorry, hold on. Not Trey Burton. uh, da, 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 da. Third string quarterback. It starts with a T. Oh, Tyler. Tyler, Bray. Tyler Bray. Hey, TB. Okay. I got the initials right. TB. Uh, oh.
1: TB8. Is that his number?
0: <laughs> oh, nine. Oh. <laughs> We're all off the rails now. It's okay. You're right. Two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would say tight ends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, I feel like just thinking about my confidence level and the other ones, which we'll get to, this six that I gave is probably going to be the lowest I get for any position on this entire team. This, you can actually take that step further, Brandon, if you wanted to maybe the most questionable
1: position on the bears team. Wow. <laughs> kicker. Hey, I, kicker. I, uh, I was going to say pass rusher, but
0: <laughs> all right, we're opening up too many cans of yeah, worms in yeah. the show guys. So I'm going to just, <laughs> Call it. That's it. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank everyone who watched the show live or to the replay here on YouTube. Make sure to give the video a thumbs up so we can be seen by even more Bears fans. And of course, another huge thank you to our thousands of podcast listeners from around the globe. Make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts If you haven't done so already, even if you're watching on YouTube, it really does help us out. We really do love seeing those come in. We'll be back next week for the well, next installment of Countdown to Camp is we'll break down that very crowded wide receiver unit where Taquan Mazel is going to make headway. No, actually, he's probably not even going to make it past the first <laughs> two week's training camp, but that's besides the point. Uh, a few things that I'm looking forward to already from that show. Can Allen Robinson take that next step and become the clear-cut number one wideout? What should we expect from a healthy Anthony Miller in his second season? And will Riley Ridley make a splash as a rookie? Hmm. We're going to answer those questions and a whole lot more next week. But until then, bear down, Chicago.